Hey everybody, on the run with Beards and Dunn, back for another episode. Dunn! Oh, uh, Beards! Hey, it's, it's been, like I can't it was, believe it's been a week yeah, already. I can't believe it was just yesterday. <laughs> I can't imagine that. <laughs> but anyway, I'm trying to think, we kind of went off with the, the Diet Pepsi 10K in Sioux Falls. Then you, you went out and ran a 15K out in New York a week later. Yes. Against, I think you told me Herb Lindsay. Yeah. Like Herb was like the number oh. one road racer in the United States. That guy was a stud. And he wasn't a marathoner, but anything from like the half or 25K down. Oh, oh. and he was built like a wrestler. You know who he reminds me? Whenever I saw Herb Lindsay in pictures, Jan Kane. Yeah. Kind of the Kano, kind of a stocky, powerful. Right. You know, not big, but not big, but bigger than your scrawny average little runner. But man, that guy could motor. Well, and, then, and uh, I, you know, so I'm coming off of Boston, coming off of the Pepsi race in Sioux Falls a week before. And then I go and Syracuse is not a flat area. It's hilly. <laughs> and Herb Lindsay's there, Stan Mavis, a bunch of other guys. And we go out and I go out with the guys. We go through like the first mile and I think 429 Ooh. And I'm hanging on. And then when I hit the hills, done, oh, my legs just, it felt like I was carrying a 100-pound yeah. well, weights. But you ended up getting third place. Yeah, so I got third. I ran, I ran yeah. 45-15. So, you know, I ran Ooh, some five-minute pace. Yeah, and, yeah. And so I was course. pretty tickled, you know, with that. And um, So, other than that, okay, so you're, you're back into your training routine. Oh, yeah. Doing your 120 to... 140 probably, kind of in that range. Yeah, let's take a quick look here because I, I, you know, let's see here. So so the the week of the week of the Sioux Falls race, that week when it ended, I had, um, let's see, I had 120 miles that week, 112 the next week, 122 the week after that, 120 yeah. the week after that, and then... 119 the week before grandma's so before your week of taper i guess you'd call it yeah what a yeah i know I, I know you're what so let's back up you know you just ran this 208 now six weeks eight weeks eight weeks exactly later you're gonna run grandma's right and and um i kind of think i know some of it they were very happy. They wanted you back because you, you ran 209 the year before. And just having you at the race, being a Minnesota runner at sure. the biggest race. You know, the Twin Cities Marathon hadn't, wasn't, their inaugural was going to be that fall. Right. And I think that might have been, you know, something you were thinking about. But that was not till October. And so you got plenty of time to put that on the back burner. But there was also some financial. I mean, New Balance, obviously, you had signed this contract now. Yes. And so, you know, going back to grandma's and winning and possibly... Setting an American or a world record. I right. Mean, the, and then I think there was some appearance money. I don't think it's a big thing to. Yeah, oh, yeah. There, and I, I, think I, I, I think it was grand, like a thousand bucks or something. I, I thought it was six. I think you. At I grandma's? You, yeah. Oh, well, maybe it was. I know your, I know your, your, your budget. Your, your, <laughs> maybe I it was. I anyway, can't it was, but it was a pretty good chunk of money. So, you know, you can look back with <laughs> hindsight's always 24, 2020 vision. You know, was it a good move, you know, to run two marathons, you know, a 208 and then try to come back with a no. potentially faster marathon? No. Cause you, you, but you, like, I think in your book said you were a, a, a locomotive. Well, you know, Don, I, I recovered very quickly from them. And, yeah. uh, but I, as when I look back now, you know, that race, 
at Boston, I'm talking about, really beat me up physically and mentally. I mean, yeah. you know, because for six months, that's all I was thinking about was getting ready for that race. And then it took me so long to recover. And I remember when I, when Mary and I got off the plane in Minneapolis coming back home from Boston, oh, one of the first questions the reporters were asking me, well, Dick, we know you're running Grandma's Marathon in two months. Uh, you know, you, you, you'll probably set a world record. Well, every everybody was talking about me setting a world record except me. And, <laughs> there you go. And done. I was never one that went after records. I went after. I went out there to try to be as competitive as I could. Yeah. And if it happened, it happened. Keep so, 100%. And, yeah. You know, and it just kept building and building every and as the weeks got closer to grandma's more and more media people were on a national basis were calling me interviewing me you know saying i you know i hear you're going for the world record and i never ever once said that to anybody well then i about maybe three weeks before the race scott keenan the race director and founder of grandma's marathon good friend of mine calls me up he goes dick here's the deal he goes i'm bringing in the most highly sophisticated timing system there is i'm bringing in a guy from florida named doc black he says there's going to be three cars or excuse me three clocks on the pace car one's going to be your overall time one is your pace per mile that you're running and the other one is your projected winning time and he goes and I'm bringing in Dave Babaraki from California to set the pace for the first 15 miles. Now, Dave was the American record holder for 25K at the time. Yeah, and I'd known not, Dave yeah. and knew who he was. So now, after all of this, I'm thinking, what choice do I have? Yeah. And so finally, done. It took me until about two weeks before the race when I started to get excited about actually running it. Yeah. And yeah, to focus on it. Just, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, the 1981 grandmas was, you couldn't have asked for nicer weather. I mean, you know, it was cool, cloudy, no wind. Well, on race morning on the, the 1982, man, there wasn't a cloud in the sky. There was about a south wind, about 15 miles an hour, right into our face. <laughs> and so we get to the start and I'm thinking, well, you know, what's this going to be like? And the gun goes off and Babaraki, he jumps out there and I jump right in behind him and done. I don't, we didn't go very far and I look back and nobody came with us. Nobody. So we're running along and we get into two, three, four miles and I'm actually feeling pretty gosh dang good. And I'm looking up at the projected winning time and it's like in the 206s. Yeah. I'm thinking, well, we're on world record pace and then some, that's for sure. And again, the wind was pretty, you know, pretty stealthy at that point. So I'm tucked right in behind Babaraki. Well, at about eight miles, Babaraki moves out to the side and then jumps in behind me. So now I'm breaking the you're, wind. You're pacing him. I'm breaking the wind for the pace setter. And, and, and about a mile later, he drops out. So done. Here I am out on the course, the pace setter drops out. There is, and I'm not bragging, I'm just selling the fact, there's nobody behind me. It's like I'm out there on a solo run. There were there were 4,400 of us behind you, Dick. You yeah. just couldn't see us. You were so far yeah. off the road. And, and 
So, Dud, I'm 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 looking at the the projected winning time, and honest to goodness, every step I took, it got a little slower. Oh, that would be so mentally. Oh, it's like it's, it's slipping away. And then done. Away. So I'm out there all by myself. And you know how they have pockets of good crowds out there? I'd run by the crowds. And like nobody was even clapping or nothing. And uh, do you remember a guy named Bob Bright? I remember the name. Yeah, yes. Bob was, he was oh, the race fella. director for Chicago yeah. Marathon. And him and Fred Lebo would always be out going for the top athletes in the fall races because they're held at about the same time. Well, Bob's on the back of a motorcycle and he's going to these crowds, start cheering for this guy. So I get to halfway and you know, Don, at halfway you can look across Lake Superior <laughs> and you can see that gosh dang aerial bridge at the finish yep. line. And you know, I was hot, I, I was slowing down. Well then I got a gosh dang Somehow a pebble got into my shoe and worked to the front of my foot. Well, you know, I always ran up on the balls of my feet, even for marathons. Well, it got in there, and every step I took done, that gosh dang little rock got deeper and deeper and deeper into the front of my foot. It was like stepping on a cactus every time my left foot come down. Well, I should have just stopped and got it out of there, but you know, you know how we yeah. are. Oh, it, it if was I stop, you at least 20, 30 seconds. Yeah, if I stop, <laughs> the whole field's gonna go flying by me. So anyhow, I finally, I'm, you know, I'm coming through downtown and, and I take that last turn and get to the finish line. And we were just discussing this off the air, but when I cross that finish line, you know, the year before it was a look of like, mid, almost I'm, I'm disbelief big, yeah. and, so happy joy yeah. yeah this year was like more of a smile of relief like thank the good lord this is over <laughs> before we, all right before I, i'm gonna back up just a little bit yeah you know everybody in the midwest all the runners i know i was fit randy fisher yeah uh all the guys from the twin cities you know i could start naming names tony shockensy mike palmquist uh i mean we can go on ralph edwards just great group of guys we all signed up and, you know, I remember I called up Scott Keenan, you know, I was a 219 marathoner. Yeah. And so you call up Scott and you go, Scott, I'd like to come around the race. He goes, we want to have you come around the race. He goes, Mike, here's what we'll do. We'll give you a free entry and I got it. I'll get you a motel room for, you know, so yeah. really you just have to get yourself here. And I said, I can do that. Thanks, Scott. That's all I really, that's what I was looking for. Right. Can I get a free entry, which probably saves you like 20 bucks or something <laughs> like that. And a hotel room probably saved me like 30 bucks yeah. or whatever. Well, and so Randy Fisher, who had finished third, I think in 79 or 80. At You're Grandma, right. So he, Scott always brought Randy up and, and, you know, same, I pretty sure same deal, got him in the hotel room, free entry, all that. So Randy and I, we carpooled up there together and uh, I had an address for my hotel. And, you know, I'm sure every hotel motel in the Duluth area wants to have a part of the Grandma's Marathon. Right. They, you know, so they want to be on the sponsor list. And so this little, I don't remember, I'll, I'll say it was a travel lodge or whatever, <laughs> but I'm not kidding you, Beards. It was like six miles out of Duluth. And Randy's was down in Duluth, his right. hotel. You know, Scott didn't know we were coming up together, didn't put us in the same hotel. And so Randy dropped me off at this motor lodge or whatever, about seven <laughs> miles out of Duluth. And he goes, Mike, um, how are you going to get to the, you know, you had to get to the buses right. at the finish line to get bussed up to uh, two harbors. The next morning I go, and I looked in the parking lot 
full of runners. I mean, you can just tell you know, yeah. runners there staying at the hotel. I said, I'll be, or fish, Randy, I'll be fine. I said, I'll, I'll just hit your ride. Right. I'll just ask around tonight and say, who's going to the radius? Oh, can I ride to the, oh sure. yeah. You know, runners are that way. I wasn't right. worried about it. So I got in my hotel room and I, you know, I'm th- sitting on the edge of the bed, hadn't touched anything, my suitcase. And I'm just sitting there thinking, how am I going to get anything to eat tonight? Like, how do I get supper? <laughs> so you're you know, out in the you bush. Want a car you were kind of you know, out in the bush. I'm seven miles out. I don't have oh. a car. You know, they didn't have DoorDash back in those days. <laughs> I so I don't know why, but I had, I called the rat. I don't know how I got a hold of you. And either you had already told me, Mike, we're staying at the Radisson. Call us when you get to town. Something yeah. like that. And so I called and you or Mary answered the phone. And, and oh, Mike, Mike, where you at? And I, I told you my story. I said, Beards, I'm out at the motor lodge. I don't know, about six miles west of Duluth or something. I go, I, I'm trying to figure out, you know, how I'm going to get some <laughs> supper. And you go, we'll be right over to get you. And so you came over and picked me up. I hadn't, that sanitary thing was still over the stool. Right, you know, right. Like that. I hadn't used nothing. And I left and with my suitcase and you said, you come stay with Mary and I. Yeah. You're staying at the Radisson, that freaking round hotel it's like at the 25 mile mark right and you go my dad we got two double beds you just bunk and we we'd done stuff like this and yeah before. you get you jump in one bed mary and i'll be in the other right. and I go, are you sure and you go yeah yeah no it'll be fine you're not staying out in that goddamn motor <laughs> lodge you know and then trying to hitchhike your way into the well, yeah, start and he goes you didn't have you to just sleep with, with a bed full of cockroaches <laughs> or something you just stay with me and I said, awesome, awesome. And so I really don't recall, but we must have went out and had supper somewhere. Yeah. Pasta. I remember we ate a bunch of pasta. And I remember now that now everybody who's listened to this, Beards is such a good friend. Here's how done. Don't take this personal, but the night before a race, I kind of like to just, <laughs> I, I, I called you the werewolf. It's like the full right. moon come out and he turns into the wolf man. Oh, terrible. And he goes, so if I don't say, if he... And I go, well, parents, I'm fine. You know, because you and I are like chatty Cathy's right. all the time. And you were like, I, I kind of go into my shell and you might. <laughs> and you were afraid I would be offended. Right. By your, I don't know what, your, your race day prep. Yeah. And I said, no, we're good. <laughs> we're good. Right. And, and so I kind of just, I, I don't know how I did it, but I didn't say much to you. But, <laughs> but I just remember then we got to the hotel room. It's like 8, 30, 9 o'clock. We're just and going to watch TV because why you try to even sleep when you're right. in it for a while. And I remember the coolest thing, and I think Mary did this for you at a lot of races, and she did it that night, and she did it for me. She sewed our race numbers on yes. our jerseys. I'd I kind of forgot it. about that. I'd never seen that before. I hate pinning those damn... Me too. I can't ever get it straight. Right. And if, and if you pull your jersey and then pin it, you get this big gap yeah. in the number or something. And then later you look in the... The numbers tore because right. your jersey pulled on the the safety pin so much it tore. Then the numbers flopping around on exactly. your chest. And so Mary would take a needle and thread, and it wasn't like she, you know, tiny, tiny, tiny right. little stitches. But just every she just stitched that thing on. It just laid perfectly flat. And it's like, this is so cool. You know, I've got my number sewed onto my exactly. jersey. So then the, we get up, and I, I don't have any recollection of breakfast if you ordered room Nor do I. And we probably ate. But you go, done. They're giving me a lift in a limo to the starting line, and you just you come with me. You're not going to ride the bus, you know. Right. I, I, I think I had a bus pass. You know, <laughs> you, get, you have to have a pass to get on the bus for the hour ride on the bus up to right. the start. He goes, I, they'll put, you just and so I was kind of like Houston in '81. 
when we came down to the lobby, I was I was attached at the hip <laughs> to the beards because I wasn't going any beards wasn't moving without me no. right there. So we and so we get into this limo and there's a nice like Lincoln right. Continental and I can't remember you and I slid into the back and um, all I was was um, Kim Wrinkle was Kim Wrinkle. In he the back there with him? Yeah. Yeah. I think Kim Wrinkle was sitting next to I me. Think I, I think I got brought him in, too, with us. Yes, uh, you might have invited. On the and then limo. in the front seat was a guy named Will Elbers. And Will was an excellent runner, ran for uh, 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 East Coast. Uh, uh, Will was good. Yeah, Will was a 217 marathoner. And um, and I remember Will was pretty good. You had your race face on. And and Will, I remember him turn around, and he go, hey, Dick. And you said, hey, Will, or something like that. And he goes, and he goes, Dick, I, you know, I work for Brooks. And if there's, and he didn't, he kind of just said, if there's anything Brooks can ever do for you, don't hesitate to ask. Yeah. And I guess he was just letting it be known if, if New Balance upsets you and you're looking around, gee, right. you know, call me up. But he didn't, he wasn't pushy about <laughs> no, it or anything. No. And he goes, we're, we're, and, um, and then you introduced me to Will. And you go, Will, I'd like you to meet my best friend, Mike Dunlap. And he goes, Mike's a 219 marathoner at Houston. And, you know, he's, he's, He's in really good yeah. shape and stuff. And Will goes, oh, nice to meet you, Mike. He goes, hey, Mike. He said, we're looking at maybe starting a, a, a Brooks running racing That's team. That's right. And so, you know, he said, was this something you'd be interested in? And it's almost like saying, how would you like to win a million dollars? Right. He's like, no nah, kidding. And so I tried to go, oh, Will, that sounds great. Yeah, I'd really, I'd really like, I'd be very interested in that. And he goes, oh, good, good. He goes, how about after the race, uh, we'll connect and we'll get, I'll get your information. And I said, cool. You know, and so I was like, hey, this is this is good. So we rode up to the start and and you went, you know, I have no recollection. You went off to do your thing. I went off to do mine. Randy Fisher and I found each other and we lined up together. And the starting line, it's pretty wide. I don't know how wide that highway is up in it two It is harbors. wide. It's wide. You can probably get 40 to 50 runners oh, yeah. side by side across that road. And I once saw a photo and I found myself and Randy Fisher and you and, uh, you know, we're all lined up in that front row with all these other guys that we knew half of them and the gun went off and yeah, you were out of there. I <laughs> you know, there was no thought like, well, let's go with him. Yeah, no, no there was no going. I think he came. went out at 446. I think it was a 448 that first mile. And, and, uh, and it was like, well, Beards is gone. And I remember Randy Fisher and I were running to, we started together and I said, Randy, this wasn't our first rodeo and it was, <laughs> it was a headwind and it was, exactly. the sun was shining and it wasn't getting any cooler out there. And I said, Randy, I think these first five miles, we just want to chill. I think we want to get these first five over like they haven't even happened. Right. And he goes, right. No, I'm with you, Mike. I'm with you. So I remember Randy and I tried to just kind of, it wasn't, we were probably running five, you know, 15 to 520 yeah. pace, but trying to make it just like it was a training run, you know, just try to get through that first 5K, or five miles, 10 miles. And, and then, you know, it got serious, Beards. You know, after about the five-mile mark, I don't know what happened to Randy, but I kind of noticed he was starting to kind of fall off my shoulder. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of, but, you know, you just run your own pace. And the next thing you know, it's, it's freaking hot. The sun's it, it, it down. It was hot. And Brooks, uh, you know, you made the painter's cap a thing at yeah. Boston in, 80, in, in 82. Well, guess what? Well, Will Elbers, before the race, had handed me a Brooks painter's cap. No way. A, yes. And if you look on our website, I, I'm going to put on some pictures. And I'm wearing the dang thing, and it says Brooks. Right awesome. Then you should get, like, you should have got a kickback or some kind of, like, endorsement <laughs> deal. The painter, well, Bill Rogers had the white painter gloves. Yes. He kind of made those a thing. You made the painter's right. hat. Right. Because it's so lightweight. 
Yes. Like you said it's made out of paper. Exactly. And so it's not any weight. It's in the, the white reflects the heat. Right. So it keeps your head cool. And if you get uh, ice under it, it holds it Perfect. in there and all this. So I had this goddamn white painter's cap on. <laughs> and I'm glad I did because the sun was beating down. And I just, all I remember is getting about Lemon Drop Hill coming into to Duluth. Now, Dan, what place were you in at that point? Do you remember? Uh, probably, uh, I think I hung in about, I was in about 10th of. Yeah. I was picking guys off because a lot of guys were there. And like, I, I think we're there to run for a time. And it wasn't a day to run for time. Right. It was a day to run to, to run at your 100% potential and take the result you exactly. get. Exactly. And I, I'm kind of thinking I did that, and um, but a lot of guys didn't. You know, a lot of guys, I, you know, when you're passing people in the last 10K of America, oh, yeah. it feels, feels really good. It does. So, but I remember at, at 20 miles, with about 21, Mike Just, now I don't know if you remember, Mike was a yes. North Dakota, uh, from North Dakota. Yes. For, uh, I think Dickinson State. And he's just a super, super nice guy. And he's a Mike. And he came up alongside me and, and, and he goes, hey, Mike, Mike, Mike Just. Like, oh, hey, Mike, Mike. And, you know, uh, we kind of knew each other. Right. And he, uh, and he was looking and he said, I feel good. He goes, let's go. Let's try to catch some of these guys ahead of us. And I remember saying to him, I said, Mike, go for it, bud. I said, I am right where I have to be. I, you know, it was one of those, you're running at that pace beards where if you pick it up, yeah, this I don't see this ending well for me. Exactly. If I stay where I'm at, you know, I was right at that. And threshold. Dan, you were so good at that. You knew oh, what I, your limit was. I had to. Well, you, you learned the hard way. It's what happens. Right. And I remember I kind of said, Mike, go for it, bud. I said, I'm. I can't. I'm just going to stay. And he goes, Oh, okay. Well, good luck, Mike. Hang in there. Hang in there. And the guy took off, and he ended up finishing fifth place and ran ah. like two nineteen. He broke two twenty that day. I was two twenty one ten, and got tenth. And I always tell the story. There's a runner. Do you remember Tom Anzac? Oh, yeah, of course. Well, he was in ninth place. And I saw him that whole last mile. And he kept looking back at me. Because, you know, when you're in the top 10, you don't want to give up a place. No. You know? And I was closing on him. And we came around the corner. And you're going, that's a long, goddamn finishing. It is. What is that, like a quarter mile? Yeah. I don't know. Just a, and it's lined with people. And as I kept clumbing closer, he kept going, looking over, and just running <laughs> faster. And I kind of thought, I, you know, I, am I going to try to out sprint this guy? And I don't sure what place we're even in, ninth or tenth place. He he held me off. He did. He two twenty one oh nine. I ran two twenty one ten. And there's oh. one of those situations when you're, you know, and you might have said, Don, geez, you could have, if you had nipped him, yeah, I would have got ninth instead of tenth. Right. At that point, you're kind of like, whatever. Oh yeah. You know, it's like take it because it it was a hurt unit. They have a picture of me at the finish shoot. I don't know who took these pictures. I think Mary did. I think Mary might have had your, you know, probably had the camera out there, and she was taking some photos. And I, it's me walking through the finish shoot with my Brooks hat on, and there's this aid worker, and he's got a Red Cross T-shirt on. You know, he's like a medic, EMT yeah. or whatever. And I think they had him out there, and they must have warned these guys, be ready because it's, it's there's going to be some hurting units right. coming across here, a hot, headwindy day. And I cross the finish line, and you you slow to a walk, and I think I might have said good job to Tom or something, and. And I remember they had water, and I grabbed a cup of water and started drinking it. I mean, you talk about parched. And no this, kidding. this aid station guy walks up beside me. He goes, you doing all right? And I go, yeah, yep, I'm good. And I kept walking. And I noticed he's walking beside me. And he, and he goes, you sure you're good? And I go, yeah, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. You know, I'm thinking, go take care of somebody who needs right. you. <laughs> and he keeps walking beside me. <laughs> and at that point, I'm thinking, damn, I must not look so good. <laughs> you know, because... This, this guy's not going to let me, he was 
until I got to the end of the shoot, they unhook the yeah. little thing off your number. I don't, or they scan it. I don't remember how they did it back in '82. But this this guy, I think I was, yeah, you know, everybody was suffering the, I don't, heat exhaustion right. pretty much. And uh, I don't know. You and I have talked about it. You know, you always wonder, like, well, what that on a better day? I wonder what that effort was worth. Yeah, and you can't really. It's hard to. You can't. You know, I think I've heard people say that day cost well four or five minutes. And, and, very, people, and, and done. It very well could have. I mean, yeah. you were in great shape. If there would have been a yeah. cooler day with a little bit of a tailwind. Oh, oh. I think yeah. I was. You know, I think we all went there running in your vapors if you would you know because beards just ran 208 he ran 209 at this course the year before right he's coming back he's going to do something you know off the freaking chart and if we get caught up in that it's kind of like boston you know if you get there on a right day and that i mean we'll talk yes. about Boston next in a future episode in 83 when i went out right there. i got a perfect day and got caught up in the pack it's almost like the tour de france we have the peloton yeah and you know, the Peloton is rolling 27, 28, 30 miles an hour. But if you're in the middle of that Peloton, you know how much work you're doing? Not Little. much. Little. Right. Because of the aerodynamics. Well, now in running, you don't have that same aerodynamic, you know, function going no, on. No, a little bit though, right? A little right? bit, a little bit. Yeah. But there's a psychological function. Right. Of you're running fast, but everybody around you is running fast. So fast is kind of like the norm. Exactly. Where if you're running by yourself, and maybe that's what happened to you at grandma's, you were still running fast, but by yourself. And I don't right. know if you've ever gone out on a training run alone. I remember Frank Shorter once said, he goes, people think I can just go out on a 15-mile training run and run five-minute miles. And he goes, I can't. Right. I, can't. I, can, I can do, he can do 15 miles at five-minute pace in a race. Right. Because then you've got me too. the prep, you've got the mental focus, you've got yes. all that. But he goes, you, it's not that easy. No. It's not that easy. And so, um, but in a race situation, it's all unique. So yeah, I remember, and I finished and headed in and I looked and you were sitting at the table uh, with Phil Coppice. And I can't remember who the third, the top three of you guys were that day, but Phil was a 210 marathoner. Right. He ran 216. You were like two minutes ahead of second and third place. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you're, you're going to look it up. Oh, and, so Math, Matthew Wilson got second. Yep, Matt Wilson out of Virginia, I think. Ran 216.20, and Phil Coppas got third, 216.30. And those guys were 210, 211 marathoners. You're a 208. So everybody's times were probably that four to five yeah. minutes slower, which is not, it is what it is. You had to be there that day to, to lay it on the line. But I just remember you were, you were, um, doing the interview thing, talking a mile a minute. And you, I think you were so relieved, you know, to come home and, and to win the race again. It does. I mean, that's your number one goal. You know, and I got to win the that, race. I never is, felt more pressure oh, on me in a race, race than I did at the 1982 Grandmas. Yeah, that's that's because you were the, you're such the overwhelming favorite. You had nowhere to go but down, basically. Right. You know, so anything less than a world record win well, is going to be and, disappointing. And I almost felt like I let people down, uh, even though I won it, but I didn't set a world record. <laughs> well, you anyway, know? the race ended. I jogged or walked or crawled back to the Radisson, <laughs> and you eventually got back there. And now here's some fun stories. I, I just These are memories I will never forget because your dad was there and yes. Coach Squires is there. I can't remember if, um, I think Mary's folks, were they there? Yeah. Yep. And your dad said, we're going to go out and have lunch. I think they had reservations already made. And they said, Mike, you're coming. Because I was, 
I was kind of like the adopted son right. at this point because I'm it's Dick and Mary and Don, you know, the three the three musketeers of Karen right. have been there been four. But they said, "Oh, Mike, you're you're coming too. You're coming." Of course. Too. And so we went to this restaurant. I don't remember the name of it. I think it, we went to Fitkers. Oh, it was awesome. Yes. Order, your dad was so gracious, and he, he you know. Pick, order Mike, whatever you want. I remember him selling that. And I thought, okay. And Coach Squires, you know, he's talking a mile a minute. And it was just such a cool atmosphere. To, it was. You know, it kind of like the entourage. Maybe I've never seen that movie right. or TV show. But yeah, I was kind of part of the entourage. And, and people, total strangers, were coming up to you and congratulating you. They're patting you on the back. I don't remember if you probably signed a few autographs. But it was like, I was like at the table with the dude, with you. And it was just, it was, it was very cool. Don, thank you for bringing that memory up because I forgot about that. But it was at Fitker's, Fitker's oh, your, it uh, was a restaurant, great. overlooked the yeah. lake. And it was one of my dad's favorite places to eat in, in, in Duluth. And I, I remember that now vividly. Oh, he, he was, it, it was just, a, it was an awesome time. I mean, there was no, if it, it was like the, the, the day was done. It came out. Yeah. I was, I was. Tickle pink, you know, you were tickle pink. We're all right. happy. We, I, I don't remember what happened after the dinner. We went back, lay down, put our feet up or whatever. I remember at night, we went out for malted milkshakes. I don't know if you remember this or not. Oh, at the malt shop right down yeah. there. Oh, I just remember I had a craving and I, I love ice cream. And usually when you're training, you're trying not to, you know, you're, like you ever had to worry about your weight. But, you know, you usually don't <laughs> indulge in a lot of that kind right. of stuff if you're training pretty hard. But we went out that night and parents, correct me if I'm wrong. It, the wind started blowing, and it was, I almost said, freaking cold. Yes. After being so hot that day. A front came through. Oh, my God. I didn't have, like, I had, like, a windbreaker jacket. I remember that now, Doug. And I, we were standing, I was freezing to death. Yeah. Anyway, we go back to the Radisson. Our bellies are swollen with malted milkshakes <laughs> now. And we went to bed. And, of course, the next day, what did we do, Beards? All right. Next day. 45-minute run, easy with done, six and a half miles. Felt quite good, then left for home. Yeah, you felt quite good. <laughs> My legs, you know, I was, I just wanted, it was, you know, hey, we're going to go for a run. Awesome. It's kind of like when Bill Rogers called you up at Stockholm. Right. And said, Beard, you want to go for a run? <laughs> sure. And Well, I went running with you. My legs hurt so bad. But here's my vivid memories. We're running around downtown Duluth. I don't know. You yeah. kind of knew that you picked the route. We were just, and running easy for you and cars are leaving town all the runners are right. packed up hitting the road and we're running down the side of the road and we're getting hawks yeah waves people rolling down the window and Beardsley, Beardsley, and they're you know they're <laughs> waving at us and we're waving back and it was like this is so this is what dick's life is like now you know? <laughs> it's like, but i it was so much fun I tell you, it was just a riot. It and was. then I think I met up with Randy and his wife, Sherry. Hey, hauled my butt back to, right. back to Sioux Falls. <laughs> you headed back down to um, oh. to Rush City or wherever it was. Yeah. But so, uh, yeah, so we're, that was halfway through um, uh, uh, the, that, that summer of 82. Oh, we'll done. And let me back later. up with a, yeah. a, a quick sidebar on this, yeah. that grandma's marathon. So, so my dad, you know, on the next day after grandma's, it's always Father's Day, you know, and um, so my you know, my my dad was a was a he'd admit if he was still alive, he was a pretty heavy drinker, hmm. and the doctors always would tell Bill if you want to be around for your grandkids and whatnot, you know, you got to quit drinking, and so every once in a while, my dad would, you know, quit drinking for a couple of weeks and he'd be back at it, 
So on on May first that that of eighty two, he 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 said, oh, "I'm going to quit drinking." So he'd come into Grandma's. So you know, six weeks later, he still hadn't had any drink, uh, any drink. So I remember I gave my dad a a um, uh, a Father's Day card, and I put a check in there for five hundred dollars made out to my dad. And in the little memo pot part, I I put pop money, you know, for soda pop. And I, and I told my I, I handed it to my dad. I said, "Now don't open this till you get home." And I remember my dad finally gets home, and Mary and I are driving back to the cabin. And my dad calls up, and he's just sobbing. He's just sobbing and thanking me and and whatnot. And done every year for the next 14 and a half years after that, every May 1st, I always called my dad and told him how proud I was mm. of him. And he never had another drink in those 14 and a half years. That's, that is commendable. I mean, I, yeah. I, that's, that's, you know. And, you know, I always wonder, people, you know, people think, what well, do you think it was that $500 check you gave your dad that just, you know, got him? I said, I don't know what it was. I don't care what it was. But, you know, and, and then he was like a completely different person. Isn't it amazing? Um, I don't, I'm trying to think of the right words, and I, I'm going to fail at it. How no, nothing's forever, nothing's right. carved in stone. Change is possible at any moment, and, and positive change, and negative change. I just, you know, when you hear about somebody, and Beards, I'm not going to get into your personal, you know, but your dad, in your opinion, I, I, I hope I'm not overstepping the line. No. Was, he, was he an alcoholic? Oh, yeah. And yeah. for him to just, you know, a lot of times they say, you can't do it on your own. No. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it through pure willpower. Whatever your dad called upon, and I don't know what it was, it worked for him. Done. And maybe that's some of the willpower I got from him as a runner. Because, done. My dad, you know, he died of pancreatic cancer 14 and a half years later. But for those 14 and a half years, he never had a, another drink. But yet, he had all kinds of like whiskey and gin, all that in his liquor cabinet. Cause when his friends came over, he wanted to make sure that if they wanted a drink, they could have they a drink, entitled. but he never touched it. That is willpower. Well, and you've done the same thing with me, you know, right. With, and we'll get into, you know, your story someday about, you know, addiction and right. You, you're, you don't use any mood altering substances, right? You know, artificial. Now there's a lot of natural mood altering substances. <laughs> exactly. Fishing yeah. and running and right. telling stories. Right. Those, you use them a lot. But, you know, um, and yeah, you've always been very comfortable and say, well, Mike, you, you can order a glass of wine oh, if you yeah. want to. And, you know, have a beer if you come Absolutely. over to house and you want to. And you have wine there no. at your Airbnb. Right. And, Heck and yeah. So, uh, but, you know, your dad was a cool dude. No, you know, he uh, was, you know, and done. I never saw and the I, other side of him other than the fun side of him. Right. So. Well, and, you know, I know we're kind of maybe closing up on time here. But, um, you know, my dad, when I first told him. You know, when I got out of college, yeah, Dad, I'm going to see how good of a runner I could become. My dad thought I was an idiot. I well, mean, you know, he <laughs> didn't like understand. That's like telling somebody I'm going to be an artist, I'm going to be a musician. Right. And he just didn't understand. Yeah, yeah, but no. then when when he saw the commitment I had given, my dad be, be, became my biggest supporter. Well, yeah, you know, you know they came from a different cool. generation where that wasn't right. even an option. No. And we were fortunate to come in the time when, you know, we had a... Life, the culture had changed, and, and I think, but you kind of proved through your actions, you know, actions yeah. 
louder than words. <laughs> One last little story. I put it on our website. I just I got the biggest kick out of it. Back in 1979, I think you'll remember this. You, me, and Randy Fisher met up in Rock Rapids, Iowa. Yes. And, um, there was an eight miler. Back in the day, in the 70s, <laughs> they had four milers, three milers, right. eight milers. Lennox had a Fourth of July six mile. The metric system just wasn't really catching no. on that much, but everybody got on board. But they had an eight miler. And uh, Randy and I were in Sioux Falls, and we were in great shape. And th- that I, he had just ran a real good marathon, I think, uh, that year. And, and I ran Howard Wood, uh, 1,500, and, uh, my PR 10K. You just won Howard Wood 10 mile, ran like 51 minutes. Right. And, and that was like sometime in late May, early June, this eight-mile road race in Rock Rapids. just 35, 40 miles west, east of Sioux Falls. So Randy Fisher and I decided to drive over there. And you were coming down, and we said, Beards, come on down and, and run this eight-miler. And then you were going to go out to Bone Seal with Mary yeah. to see your folks. So we all rendezvoused. And Karen, my future wife, we weren't married yet, she actually drove up in Spencer, Iowa to come and kind of be with right. all of us. So I put this story on our pod, on our, our website, but mostly, if, it, if you never go there, what happened was they loaded, we all paid our entry fee, you know, it was sure. like eight bucks or whatever it was. And they loaded us up on a bus. And I don't know if you remember this, and they drove I don't. Us one mile east of Rock Rapids, and we went seven miles straight north on a blacktop highway. Okay. And we actually crossed into Minnesota somewhere out there. Oh, we did. Yes, and now in the middle of nowhere, they had it marked on the road like they had measured it. They stopped the bus. Every All the runners got off. There was like 40 or 50 of us. And the guy, the race director, said, all right, we're going to line up here on the starting line. And you run back seven miles. You get to the highway, take a right. It's one mile back into town. <laughs> And it's like, and he shoots the gun, starts to watch, jumps back on the bus and passes us driving because he has to get to the finish line now. Sure. So this is how they did road races back in the day. So I remember we three were in pretty good shape and we kind of were on the bus. You know, you're trying to look around and I and you know, how fit do some of these other guys look? You know, because we're all wanting, we're racers. Oh, and, yeah. And your goal is to win and you kind of want to know who your, who your you competition betcha. is. So I remember we all said... Um, and you, me, and Randy, we said, well, let's, let's take it out. You had a, a good hard pace and just yeah. see who goes with us. And so we took it out. And I don't remember any splits. I don't know if we even had splits. I doubt it. But we ran the first mile, probably some five-minute pace. Yeah. So we're pretty putting the smack down. And we were all running. And I, th- I decided, I turned around to look over my shoulder, which is kind of, when you're running five-minute pace, it's kind of not very right. efficient. I couldn't even see anybody. I mean, because there was kind of some rollers. And so the people behind us hadn't even went over the roller behind us. No. I remember going, hey, Beards, fish. I can't even see anybody behind us. So we're like. probably think we're on the wrong course. Well, you know, it's like we got seven miles to go and it's just the three of us. And right. we were all such good friends. I mean, Randy yeah. Fisher and I were college roommates for three years. You and I bonded. You know, you knew right. Randy. We we're all good buds. You and bet. I always said it was so hard to race Randy or and to race you. I mean, you, you want to beat each other. But at the same time, it's not like, uh, you know, I'm going to try to. Yeah. I, I hate to, you hate to make other people. I don't know what I'm saying. You hate to make people feel bad. You want everybody <laughs> to come out of this as a win-win-win. So sure. I think we kind of made a gentleman's agreement. Let's just, let's just run steady. Like I would call it tempo. Let's run tempo. You know, which is a hard pace, but not, I'm going to see if I can break these guys right. kind of pace. And we did that and, you know, all the way back. And we turned right and we crossed the river, Rock Rapids River, I think. Yes. Or whatever there. And the park was down below us. We had to do kind of a loop back to the park. And we could see Karen and I think Mary were hanging out yeah. down there. And um, so we, we came into the park and we decided, well, let's tie. 
Yeah, we're yes. not going to sprint the last hundred yards. No. You know, there, there's nobody behind us. So I'm in the middle, and I've got my left hand. I reach out and grab your right hand, and I reach out with my right hand and grab Randy's left hand, and we're running the last hundred yards to the finish line. <laughs> and the, there was a photographer. I didn't know this at the time. Took a picture of this, and it shows the three of us running in, me in the middle with my hand holding onto your guys' hands. Oh and my you, gosh! You got a big smile on your face. Randy's got a big smile on your face. I got a big grimace on my face. <laughs> I, you can't run without using your arms. No. Have you ever tried running without? Well, my arms are being held out to the side. That's and right. And my little legs are trying to, you know, keep. I, I, I'm like, and the look on my face. Anyway, well, I didn't know this picture. We crossed the finish line, and it's like, well, that's over. We ran a good time, 42 minutes and yeah, 5:17 pace, and we didn't, you know, kill ourselves. All no. right. Three years later, Beards runs the Boston Marathon and finishes second in 208. And somebody sends me this clipping from Rock Rapids, Iowa. And it's a picture of the three of us with that shot I just described coming into the finish with our hands joined and me trying to run without using my arms. And it says, Boston runner was here. And and you read the article and it says, in 1979, the Rock Rapids eight mile was had Dick Beardsley, who just finished second at Boston, oh as a gosh. participant in our race. <laughs> and and I, I said, it's kind of like I, down here in the South, in New Bern, we have a sign that says, George Washington spent two nights here. <laughs> George Washington slept here. And right. in your case, Dick Beardsley ran here. <laughs> you know, your fame, Rock Rapids was so proud of the fact oh. that three years earlier, the guy who got second in the Boston Marathon ran in their race. Oh, my gosh. It made the paper. That is funny. <laughs> I know. When I read that, I, it just cracks me up. And so we oh. put that on the, on the website if anybody wants to see it. But Beards, these stories, I tell you, oh. I just, I get done with these, and I, I am on a high for the rest of the day. Oh, done. The adrenaline, the endorphins, the, the serotonin, I know. all that oxytocin, well, I, all I, that uh, stuff. I can't wait till next week. And, I can't um, either. We'll, we'll, we'll come up with some more. Well, for sure. We want to thank everybody for listening. And if you have any questions for Dunn and myself or comments about the show, you can contact us directly here. Here on our website at beardsanddonepod.com or leave us a comment on our Facebook, Instagram, or X, all at Beards and Done Pod. And, and on YouTube, you know, hit that, that that like and subscribe. And if you want to put some comments, you know, we hardly ever get any comments, which uh, occasionally somebody goes, oh, that was cool, that was funny, or something like that. But I always look for some feedback to see if there's anything. Uh, Absolutely. You know, people want to know. I, I know we don't talk a lot about training and the workouts we were doing. and. I love your log because you can go back and dig through that thing, and I've got mine too. That right. You know, sometimes you look at it. Beards, it's always a joy and a pleasure. Ah. I can't wait till next time. Hey, have a great week there, buddy. You too, bud. Bye bye. Bye bye.